this morning's prayer is on behalf of all the golden oldies in the church. Dear Lord, you have kept us within the secure embrace of your love these many years. Our lives are one long list of divine deliverances. We have come running to you again and again when the forces of our enemies have set themselves against us. How much you love and care for us and rescue us from all that would trip us up on this journey with you. From the moment of our birth, we were chosen to do your will, given life by you, only to yield it back to you. And since that time, the days and hours of our lives have been filled with praise for you. But the enemies that plagued us in our youth still lay siege to our souls, looking for chinks in our armour, for loopholes in our defences through which to come and discourage us. But we have learned to trust in you. You alone are our God, our safeguard, our refuge in times of trouble. Now as we near the late afternoon and evening of our lives, we continue to seek out your love and mercy. We shout your praises and proclaim your salvation and we reach for the assurance of your love and concern. You have guided us through the growing pains of our lives. Now we need your grace for our senior years. Fill our hearts with purpose and our mouths with praises that we may continue to proclaim your name and your salvation to all who will listen. You are, O God, the creator and performer of great and glorious things. There is no one like you. You have kept us through the conflicts of this life, led us through the crucible of experiences, drawn us back from its pitfalls and healed all our wounds and comforted us in all our afflictions. Therefore, we know that you will continue to love and care for us. We dedicate our remaining years to praising you, speaking of your faithfulness and proclaiming your love and concern for all who will turn to you. May every fibre of our being and every activity of our lives resound with praises to our God. We pray in the matchless name of Jesus, our wonderful Lord. So wonderful to worship and to to pray together, to sing together, to fellowship together. Um, And now, normally the pastor would only get up to introduce the speaker if there was a travelling speaker or visiting speaker that we didn't know. This next uh, speaker needs no introduction. We all know her so well. But I actually just wanted to get up quickly uh, before she got up just to... uh, introduce her and the reason for doing that is that I am so excited by what God is doing amongst us. Uh, We had a vision this year that we would be a fully functioning healthy church, that people would find their sweet spots, that uh, people would find their gifts and what they can add to the life of the church and I've just been blown away by this uh, woman that's about to get up. She tells me what she's reading, she tells me what she's been praying what God's been doing in her life, and everything, I'm just like, yes, 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 this is, this, is, this is great. And when I asked Carol, I think probably a year ago about getting up to talk about prayer, she was like, oh, no, no, no way, I don't want to speak out the front. 
And I said, I'm going away to national conference this week. How would you feel about um, getting up and preaching that, that sermon that we've been working on together? And she's straight away, yes. So there's been a change in her straight away from, oh, to, to yes. And I think that's what God is doing in her and through her. And I'm just so excited about that, Carol. And we look forward to hearing what the Lord's going to say through you uh, as you've uh, thought about his word and what to bring to us. So introduce Carol. Let's give her a hand as she gets up. I wasn't feeling nervous before, I am now. <laughs> Thank you. Our um, scripture today is about um, John 15, 1 to 8, our place in the vine, and more importantly, how we remain in the vine. I can't remember my birth date. <laughs> Oh, it's been time lucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus teaches about the vine and the branches. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." Some of you may have seen this beautiful vine. It's the largest vine in the world and it's called the Great Vine, quite naturally. And it's in Hampton Court in London. It was planted from a cutting in 1768 and it's now 250 years old. It measures four metres around the trunk and the longest rod or branch is 36.5 metres. Despite its size and age, it still produces tonnes of fruit every year because every branch is connected to and sustained by that very old vine. And I just think it looks so beautiful and I can only imagine what the vine of Jesus will look like. I made a visit to Clare some time ago, which was during a severe time of drought and the growers were very concerned because the vines were getting stressed from the heat and the drought conditions and it was still several weeks to harvest time. I was seated next to a wine producer at dinner at, during that visit and uh, I asked him about the possibility of the vines dying because of the lack of water. And he said that wasn't their concern because the roots go down over seven metres. I had no idea that they grew so deep. 
and they can tap into water far below the surface. But what the growers were most concerned about was not the vine dying for lack of water, but the quantity and quality of the fruit that would eventually come. So in our reading today, Jesus begins with the words, I am the true vine, in the same way that life flows through the vines in Clare, bringing nourishment and strength to every branch, and that beautiful vine in Hampton Court, Jesus promises to do the same for us through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And like, and like the growers in Clare, he is most concerned about the quality and the quantity of the fruit that his disciples will produce. He is concerned about the quality and quantity of the fruit that you and I will produce. In verse 16 he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And Ephesians 1 tells us that even before the world was made, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ, to be holy. I found it really helpful to look at the setting when Jesus was giving this teaching to the disciples. In the previous chapter, they had been sharing in the Last Supper. Jesus had washed the feet of the disciples and spent time with them explaining what was about to happen to him and why he would no longer be with them physically. He was preparing them for what lay ahead and he assured them that they would be comforted by the Holy Spirit. And in the last verse of chapter 14, after he had prayed for them, Jesus said to them, Come now, let us leave. In Matthew's account of the Last Supper, he says, After Jesus had broken bread with them, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It's possible as they went from the room to the Garden of Gethsemane that they passed vineyards. And as was so often his way, Jesus used this very ordinary earthly picture to teach a spiritual lesson. The land was full of vineyards and the vine had long been associated with the condition of the life of the people. It was a common illustration from the Old Testament, used by Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Hosea. Isaiah 5 says that the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. In Psalm 90 verse 8 we read that God brought a vine out of Egypt he planted it and it took root and filled the land. And again, the word vine means the people of Israel. But the main theme of the Old Testament is that the vineyard was in a state of degeneration. Isaiah's picture is that the vineyard has run wild. Jeremiah complains that the nation has become a wild vine. It was out of control and the people had turned away from God. The disciples, in fact all Jews, would have been very familiar with the symbol of the vine representing the people of Israel. And so Jesus begins his lesson with the words, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This was a new thought for the disciples. It's about a new relationship. And Jesus was saying that you think because you belong to the nation of Israel, you are a branch of the true vine of God. But because the vineyard has run wild, it is I who am the true vine. The fact that you are a Jew will not save you. The only thing that can save you is to have an intimate living relationship with me, to stay connected to me, to let my life flow through you, to abide in me. 
Now, people in my generation grew up with today's reading using that phrase, abide in me. The new translations use the phrase, remain in me. But today, just for a couple of minutes, I want to stay with the word abide. The dictionary says that to abide is to conform or to accept without objection. So to abide in Jesus is to conform or submit to him, to accept what he says without objection. Many Jews in Jesus' time still tried to abide in the heritage of Abraham or the law of Moses. But Jesus was saying, you need to abide in me. He didn't say he was one of the vines. He said he is the only vine, the true vine, cared for by his father, the gardener. Many people today still try to conform to the other words besides Jesus. They look at the internet, they look at social media, they look at horoscopes, they look at the word of psychics, but they don't conform to the word of God. They conform to popular thought that their wealth and success will give them the right image, happiness and satisfaction. They conform to the idea that they have everything under control and I think that's a common failing of many of us. I know what's best for me and I read that Billy Graham's wife Ruth said that if her prayers had been answered when she was young she would have married the wrong man many times over. We can all make wrong choices and wrong decisions. Jesus made it clear that there is only one source of life, only one place to abide and that's in him. The phrases in me or in the vine occur eight times in the first seven verses. So there's no question about the importance that Jesus is putting on this message for the disciples and for us. We could ask, why do we need to abide in Christ? We know that the purpose of any vine is to bear fruit, so won't it just happen? And if we are abiding in Christ, what sort of fruit fruit are we supposed to produce in this illustration? Some people have said that it's obedience. The Holy Spirit will help us in all things, but he will never override our free will. We have to choose to obey. I read a quote this week that said, our prayer should be, let your will be done, even if it means my will must be undone. And very often the hard decision that we are struggling with is put off because it comes down to a matter of obedience. That's the wrestling that we do because it's always our will against the will of the Father. We know what we have to do quite often, but we resist it. Others think the fruit is to lead others to Christ. The fruit of a plant always carries its seed, which enables it to reproduce. So to bear this type of fruit is... Sorry. To bear this type of fruit is to reproduce what is in us which is what is in Jesus. We have his life in us through the Holy Spirit and by leading other people to him, they receive the Holy Spirit also and so the fruit is reproduced and the kingdom of God grows. Still other people think that Jesus is referring to the fruit of the Spirit to grow in the Christian graces and disciplines, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, humility and self-control to have a hunger for the word of God and for prayer, to desire to spend quality time with our Father as Jesus did. Well, actually, it's all of these things 
and we can only produce all these kinds of fruit as the life of Christ flows through us, as we stay connected to him. The Holy Spirit enables us to grow, produce fruit and live a life that is pleasing to God. If any part of a branch is damaged and the sap can't get to it, that part of the vine will begin to die. If we don't abide in Jesus and have his life flowing through us, then we too will become lifeless and not produce any fruit. So the fruit Jesus wants to see in our lives is firstly the evidence of obedience. And 1 John 1 says that the way we show our love for God is to keep his commandments by doing what he says. Jesus says the same thing in verse 10, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So Jesus wants us to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, to live our lives conforming to his teaching and doing what he says. Secondly, Jesus wants to see us sharing our faith and witnessing. Now that doesn't mean becoming a Bible basher and telling everybody they're sinners at every opportunity. It means sharing our story of what a difference Jesus has made to our lives, of how amazing he is and what he has done, and then introducing our friends to him. I once heard someone say, preach Jesus every day, and if you have to, use words. We need to let our actions be expressions of his love in our life and his love for them. When we are given an opportunity then, we need to just have the words ready to explain to them why we do it and who we follow. The third evidence of fruit in our lives that Jesus is looking for is the increase of the fruit of the Spirit, which are the attributes of his character, his nature being formed in us. I'm sure that as you look back on your lives, you'll see that some of the things you used to do, you don't do now, or you do them less often or you will have more love, joy and peace than you used to. You might blow up occasionally, but it's less often than it used to be, and you might say sorry sooner. You have more self-control, or you might have been very impatient, but now, because of the life of Jesus flowing through you, you are more patient and kind. And I'm having real trouble with my driving in that area. And it's something that I have to keep telling myself when I'm on the road, that love is patient and love is kind. I I read once of a gossip columnist who used to write write the most scathing articles about people. And at a social function one night, he was confronted by a woman who knew that he was a Christian. And she said to him, I just don't know how you can write such cruel satire. And he said to her, Madam, you should have known me before I was a Christian. And then... Our wonderful, probably our favourite hymn, John, uh, Amazing Grace, John Newton, the slave traver, once said, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I one day will be. But by the grace of God, I am not what I once was. And I think we can all look back and see how far we've come and what Jesus is doing in our lives. As we stay connected to Jesus, we are all being shaped and pruned to produce more fruit, to be more like him. And the good news is that this process will continue right up until Jesus returns. God is not in a hurry. Jesus said at the end of verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is confirmed by Paul in Philippians, with that beautiful verse we all know that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
Even before Jesus was born, we read in Zechariah that it's not by might or by power, but by the Spirit of God that anything and everything will happen. Jesus wants us to produce fruit that will last, and if we try and do it in our own strength, it won't last. But as we function as part of the vine and are one with Jesus, he tells us in verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. The scriptures are often referred to as bread. And when we eat bread, we take it into our bodies and it becomes part of us. And in the same way, when we take the word of God into us, it becomes part of us. It remains in us and we grow from it. And because of it, we are changed. Our mind is transformed. We think in a new way. We have the mind of Christ. And then we can become effective in the way we pray because we are praying God's will for our lives and the lives of others. If we cease to draw our life from Jesus and begin to live life on our own terms, we are in danger of being cut off from the vine, which is different from being pruned. Being pruned means that we are still connected to him, but something is blocking the flow of his life to us. Sometimes branches of the vine run along the ground and get covered with dirt and debris and uh, they don't get exposed to the sunlight. So though they are alive, they're not able to produce any fruit. So the gardener needs to lift them up onto the trellis and wash off the dirt and cut them back and train the branch to grow in a different direction so that it can bear fruit. And isn't that how it is with us? Sometimes we get buried in the debris of life and it blocks the light that we need to live. Too many things to do, too little time to spend with God, too many worries, too many fears. We need the gardener to come along and lift us up and help us to live a productive life. We get a bit straggly and life is a struggle. We get consumed with our own problems and we lose sight of God's purpose for us. Can I just encourage you at this point that if you're going through a time of being pruned, it's because God our Father loves you and wants you to produce more fruit for him. You're not being pruned because you don't bear any fruit. Only the branches that bear fruit are pruned and only the branches that are connected to Jesus produce fruit. So if you are being pruned, it's because you are in Christ. It is because you are loved It is because you are his, and it is because he delights in you. His life is flowing through you, but he wants it to be more. We can forget that it's the life of Jesus flowing through us that enables us to live and to know joy. We forget he's there every moment of every day, and he never leaves us or forsakes us. So the Father comes and takes us in hand and helps us to grow in the right direction. And sometimes that's painful because it involves learning new lessons and breaking old habits. And I still remember the illustration Sam gave us when he was talking about trying to overcome his hook shot in golf. It's really hard to break old habits. So it's important to remember that the purpose for our existence is to grow the way God wants us to grow, to bear fruit for him so that he receives the glory. We are not here just to have our needs met and to live a happy life. God is far more interested in our character than in our happiness. And in Jesus, we have put off the old self 
and put on the new self and we are becoming like him. I know that I'm a very different Christian today to what I was 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago and I'm sure you would all say the same things too. You can look back and see the changes that he has made in us. I know that God's continuing to grow and teach me things and just in the last little while one of the things that's been impressed on me is that I think many of us know that what we've been saved from in our past, how Jesus rescued us and forgave us our sin and gave us a new life, we say that we've been healed of many hurts, wrong attitudes and the effects of sin. But I've been wondering how many of us remember and give thanks for what we have been saved from in the future. Once we are saved, our future is assured, praise God, and we will spend eternity with Jesus. But the future is bleak for those who don't know Jesus or who have cut themselves off from him and rejected him. And this is a message that people are not too keen to listen to anymore, as we saw with the backlash against Israel Folau. Verse 6 in today's reading is a warning to us. Jesus says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus is the only person that God has trusted with the message and teaching on hell and what it will be like. There are several references to it in the Bible by Isaiah, Daniel and Ezekiel and from Paul and Peter in the New Testament. They teach what our destination is if we do not give ourselves to Jesus, but they don't describe what it's like. And Jesus is the only one who gives us that information. We cannot think that if we do enough good deeds and are in credit that we will be in heaven. We can look at people we know and think, oh, well, I'm doing better than them, I should be okay. But they aren't the measuring stick. Our entrance into heaven is Jesus and he's perfect. And none of us will be perfect here on earth, even though I try to convince Richard that I am. <laughs> I've even given him cards to remind him. One says, to Mr Wright from Mrs Always Wright. And the other one says, I don't need Google, my wife knows everything. But I don't think he's convinced. I've still got work to do. The fruit of our lives we are talking about today are different from the good deeds that we do. The fruit is the evidence of the life of Jesus in us. Our deeds are what we do to show our love for God, not to earn his love or our way into heaven. I'll say that again. The fruit is the evidence of the life of Jesus in us. Our deeds are what we do to show our love for God, not to earn his love or our way into heaven. So our eternal future has nothing to do with our good deeds. We need the forgiveness and righteousness of Jesus and a living relationship with him every day and that's the only way to heaven. We need to make Jesus Lord of our heart. During the elections earlier this year I received an email which was directed at the dishonesty of politicians, no party implied, of how they promised so much but it doesn't happen after the election. And I wanted to share this story because it makes an important point. It's not biblically accurate, it is just a story. One day a Member of Parliament was crossing the road when he was struck by a car and died at the scene. 
He went straight to the pearly gates and was met there by St Peter, who was very surprised to see a member of parliament waiting for admission. He said, oh, we have to go through a different process with you and we will give you the opportunity to decide where you would like to spend eternity. The MP readily agreed and was taken straight down in the elevator to hell. As he emerged from the elevator, he saw a beautiful green golf course. At the end of the fairway was the clubhouse and many of his friends and colleagues were there dancing, drinking, socialising, having a wonderful time. The devil mingled with them, chatting, chatting with the people and showing off his dance moves. He was an excellent host. Our Member of Parliament had a wonderful time, but then it was time for him to go and check out heaven. Once he arrived, he spent time with the folk there who were all very happily socialising in their own way, drinking cappuccinos, playing their harps, chatting with each other, and he quite enjoyed their company. After the 24 hours were up, St Peter asked the politician where he would like to spend eternity. And the MP said, well, I always thought I would want to go to heaven, but I really think I would rather spend the time with my friends. So down the elevator he went. This time the doors opened on a very different scene. It was a very dark and gloomy place with garbage everywhere. His friends were dressed in rags and each one carried a big sack. They were all picking up garbage that constantly fell from above and everyone looked miserable. The devil came up to greet his new resident and the MP said, I, I don't understand. Yesterday everything was just so beautiful and there was fun, there was laughter, there was a party and now it's just awful. What's happened? And the devil gave a wicked smile and said, Yesterday we campaigned, today you voted. And today we need to vote because our decision about where we will spend eternity is made here. And will we believe the deceiver and the father of lies or will we follow Jesus who is full of grace and truth and who came to give us life in abundance? Finally, God our Father, the gardener, through the presence of his Holy Spirit has given us everything we need to help us to grow and produce the fruit he desires. Because of his love, God has placed us in the vine, grafted along with all the other branches, other believers, and we need each other to grow effectively and be fruitful. None of us can make it alone. Being part of a church, serving God together, encouraging each other and sharing in loving relationships with other Christians is a vital part of our spiritual health. Because of his love, God has given us his word, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he will renew and strengthen our lives through the word we hear preached at church, what we read in our personal devotions or share with each other in small groups. He will teach us the truth about all things. Because of his love, God renews our mind through his teaching so that we will no longer conform to the ways of the world but will pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. And because of his love, God shows his mercy by giving as much time as he can before Jesus returns. This is to enable every person on the planet to say yes to Jesus and become part of his family. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. 
Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That night, as the disciples continued on with Jesus, he told them many other things. And then he looked towards heaven and he prayed. He not only prayed for the disciples, but he prayed for you and for me. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. When he had finished praying, Jesus and the disciples crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was an olive grove and he and his disciples went into it. After spending an agonising time in prayer alone, Jesus chose to go to the cross for each one of us. Then he was arrested. It is so important to remember the context of this lesson. Jesus shared it with his disciples on his way to the cross. We all know that when someone knows they are going to die and have something to say to us, that we should listen very carefully because their words are precious and we will always remember them. It was the same with Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. I invite the musos up. Thank you, Carol. There was so much in that that we could take out of, out of that verse, uh, that picture, that illustration. Um, and I was, I was personally blessed by the, the thought of abiding uh, over remaining. We know that many um, translators take an original Greek or Hebrew word and there are 10 different ways you can translate it, which is why we have different words. And I think looking at those 10, ten different ways, we can take 10 different lessons. But to abide is to conform and to have uh, a sense of Jesus is Lord, therefore I must be obedient to him. Um, and I've got a friend at the moment that I'm doing life with and I think for me that is one thing that perhaps he hasn't yet grasped. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Uh, we can believe in him, we can trust him, we can know of him. But there comes a point where we actually say, no, Jesus is my Lord. And because he is Lord, I will submit to him. And I'll be obedient to actually what he has declared over my life and what he wants to do in and through me. And as, I, as uh, Carol was, was speaking, I was just, I may, maybe there's one or two people here this morning. Perhaps you've lived your life and there was a moment in, in your early teens and you've just gone on through the, the Christian walk and you perhaps lost that sense of, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And I'm going to just love Him. And I'm going to submit myself to Him. As we sing this next song that Carol has requested in Christ alone, perhaps you want to just open up your heart and just say, Lord, again, my desire is to have You as my Lord and Saviour, that I would be obedient 
to your ways and not my ways. So many of us are so tempted to go our own way and not his way, which is why the word remain in me is important. To remain in him means to continue to trust, to continue to be in him. And so as we as we get ready to stand, I'm going to invite the prayer team out the front. And if you this morning just want anything to pray over, there might have been something particularly that Carol mentioned that is particular for you at this point in time. I'd encourage you to come for prayer or you can just remain where you are and just open up your heart. But I just want to read uh, from her notes as we come to this prayer time. There are those branches that don't get exposed to sunlight. Although they are alive, they struggle to produce fruit. Perhaps you're struggling this morning. Perhaps you're feeling the dirt over you. Do you know that he is the gardener that lifts you up? He places you on the trellis. He washes off the dirt. He cuts off those dirty bits and he trains the branch to grow in a different direction, to bear fruit. And that's what he wants to do right now. As we sing, as we close our eyes, as we open our hearts to him, he is the gardener who is here and present, who wants to lift you up, who wants to wash off the dirt of life, who wants to prune you, and he wants to train you to grow fruit. Let's stand together and sing. Invite the prayer team out. If you want to come forward for prayer, If you want to just remain in your seat, feel free to do so.